Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 87 is entitled Liberalism Part 4. On December 13, 2022, the Subcommittee on Civil Rights and Civil Liberties of the Committee on Oversight and Reform, House of Representatives, 117th Congress, Second Session, met for the seventh and final time on the subject of white terrorism. If you have not downloaded Parts 1, 2, and 3, may we suggest that you listen to those podcasts first. In this podcast, we conclude our analysis of the final meeting on oversight and reform. Let's now hear from Mr. Eric Ward, Executive Vice President, Race Forward, Senior Advisor, Western States Center. For time, I must truncate the speech, but the words are a direct quote. Thank you for the opportunity to speak with you about the ongoing crisis of anti-democracy extremism and white nationalism currently present in this country. White nationalists and other bigoted groups are driving harassment campaigns against elected officials, law enforcement, leaders of color, the LGBTQ community, school officials, and many more at an alarming rate. I live and work in the Pacific Northwest, a place deeply shaped and impacted by anti-democracy extremism. This region has been a proving ground for extremists and anti-democracy formations. First, it is important to understand that the insurrection did not end on January 6, 2021. Across the country, In small communities and towns, the insurrection is still a daily reality for many Americans. Health workers, educators, local government officials, civil rights activists, election workers, and community leaders are the targets. They are bearing the brunt of intimidation, physical violence, and acts of domestic terrorism from those who are supportive or took part in the insurrection. Much of the violence and intimidation I've been describing is perpetrated by those who have been influenced by the Great Replacement, a genocidal conspiracy theory belief that is grounded in anti-Semitism. It falsely purports a global force is orchestrating a master plan to undermine white political power and white existence. If we seek to counter domestic extremism, we must recognize that anti-Semitism and the Great Replacement Theory remain the energizing principle behind white nationalism. To keep this in perspective, terrorist groups do exist, and some are highly organized. In my personal opinion, gangs in America will one day rise up to be the greatest threat our democracy has ever faced and that will happen when law and order entirely break down, stemming from defunding our police, open borders, corrupt laws, tribalism, class hatred, a collapsed economy, 
and a compromised military. If it is not quickly reversed, the woke government today is laying the foundation for the destruction of our democratic republic. However, the speech above is based on a false premise. From the speech above, it cannot escape you that Trump is still at the center of white extremists, including all his supporters. At least Hillary Clinton said that only half of Trump's supporters were part of the basket of deplorables. You know, they're racist, sexist, homophobic, xenophobic, Islamophobic, you name it. Everything seems to stem from the January 6th riot incited from their accusation by Trump. Now do you see the convergence of white supremacy and the white Christian nationalists? They're the same. The common denominator is white and Christian. And they are targeting Christians, all Christians, whom they are targeting as white Christian nationalists. If you believe that this nation was founded on Christian principles, then in their minds you are a terrorist, a white Christian nationalist. The conclusions of the committee meeting are that all terrorists in our country are caused by Trump supporters and Christians. And somehow everything is connected to January 6th. It is the idea that anyone who disagrees with the agenda of the left are terrorists. It is outrageous, it is absurd, and it is false. They attach extremism and nationalism to validate their attacks against whites and against Christians. And that group applies to anyone who stands in the way of wokeism, socialism, and the rest of the agenda of the left. The language remains on the high emotional level of the above for a reason. It works. They don't use data because they don't have to. No one from the left expects them to. Besides, it would reveal the truth, and the truth is the last thing they want. They don't want you to know anything that goes against their narrative. If this continues, it will divide America like it has never been divided before, and that includes the Civil War. This is Civil War rhetoric. In fact, let me repeat what Mr. Raskin said. In prior hearings over the last three years, Long before violent insurrectionists bearing Confederate battle flags overran the Capitol on January 6, 2021, we found that violent white supremacy and its partner, anti-democratic extremism, today constitutes the most serious domestic terror threat facing our people. So far, the terrorists include the whites, the Christians, parents who complain at school board meetings and the MAGA Republicans. Let me ask you a question. Who is most likely to be arrested, a Democrat or Republican? Who is most likely to be investigated, a Democrat or Republican? Who is most likely to be put in jail, those who voted for Biden or those who voted for Trump? Who is most likely to come under the scrutiny of the FBI or the Justice Department or the IRS, those who support Biden or those who support Trump? How is it that the Hunter Biden laptop is ignored and the other charges of bribery against the Biden family are ignored and Trump is arraigned on a charge that wasn't even a crime? How far will the American people go before they start getting nervous that Trump is just a symbol? When he leaves the picture, the left will turn against all conservatives and any others who disagree with their policies. Let me give you an example of a question Representative Robin L. Kelly, Illinois, a member of the committee, asked. Then ask yourself, how would you answer the question? We have talked a lot today about the dire threat to democracy posed by the spread of white supremacy and related extremism. 
but I'd like to discuss the means to combat radicalization and private unregulated militias. Ms. McCord, two quick yeses or noes. Many militia seem to believe that there's a constitutional right that allows for the violent overthrow of the government to take it back for the people. Does that right exist? Of course, the question is rhetorical. The anticipated answer is given, but Representative Kelly follows it up with another question, equally rhetorical. Does the Second Amendment provide this right? Again, the answer is obvious. She gets the predetermined answer, but she isn't through. She gives her opinion. That's what I thought. Well, well, that's what I thought, too. What do you think? And that is how the entire meeting was conducted. They came with their opinions and left with their opinions. Nothing was accomplished because nothing was meant to be accomplished. I do not know how much money the taxpayers paid to support those seven meetings, probably millions. But all it was was to give the left a chance to rant against any who opposed their views. However, there was one bright spot that made reading the tedious transcript worthwhile. It was from the minority voice, but it was brilliantly executed. Nancy Mace, the South Carolina representative and member of the committee, asked the following. Threats to our democracy comes from those who seek to undermine our Constitution and our three branches of government. We've got to take a stand to support the Constitution and the rule of law against those who debased our society with violence or harassment of government officials carrying out their constitutional duties, for example. I have a few simple yes or no questions I would like to ask the panelists today. My first one is, do you believe that rhetoric, you know, that rhetoric is a way to inflict harm on our democracy, people's words? She asked them to simply answer yes or no. Nancy Mace then went through all the members of the committee. Mr. Ward, yes. Mr. Siegel, yes. Ms. Caraballo, yes. Ms. Namani, yes. Ms. Tyler, yes. Ms. McCord, yes. Does it surprise you that 100% answered in the affirmative? How could they help it? But it was a trap. Representative Mace asked another question. Is rhetoric on social media a problem and a threat to our democracy? Again, the answer was in the affirmative. Then she laid the final trap with a third question. Do you believe that rhetoric targeting officials with violence for carrying out their constitutional duties is a threat to democracy? Mr. Ward, yes. Mr. Siegel, yes. Ms. Nomani, yes. Ms. Tyler, yes. Ms. McCord, yes. The crafty representative added, All right, thank you very much. Only a few weeks after the attempted attack on the Supreme Court Justice on June 25th, one of the witnesses, Alejandra Caraballo, tweeted out the following in response to a decision on abortion, overturning Roe v. Wade, and I will quote directly from the tweet. 
The six justices who overturned Roe should never know peace again. It is our civic duty to accost them every time they're in public. They are pariahs. Since women don't have their rights, these justices should never have a peaceful moment in public again. Nancy Mace continued. I know something about being accosted. The night of January 5th, I was physically accosted on the streets of D.C. in Navy Yard by a constituent of mine. I fervently blamed rhetoric, rhetoric on social media, rhetoric at public events for being physically accosted. I carry a gun everywhere I go when I'm in my district and I'm at home because I know personally that rhetoric has consequences. I've had my car keyed. I've had my house spray painted. I had someone trespass in my house as recently as August. I've been doxxed on social media about where I live. And I've had to add security everywhere I go. Often because I can't afford it, I have to carry my own firearm wherever I go. And Alejandra Caraballo also recently tweeted on November 19th, not even a month ago, that the Supreme Court vested with the judicial power of the United States by our Constitution stated they are not a legitimate court issuing decisions. And also, the Supreme Court is an organ of the far right. So my last question today of Miss Caraballo, do you stand by these comments, this kind of rhetoric on social media, and do you believe it's a threat to democracy? Ms. Caraballo, thank you, Representative, for the opportunity to clarify and provide context to my tweets. And, Ms. Mace, I ask a question. Is it yes or no? Do you believe your rhetoric is a threat to democracy when you're calling to accost a branch of government, the Supreme Court? Ms. Caraballo, I don't believe that's a correct characterization of my statements. Miss Mace, but you tweeted it. Did you not tweet that, that you thought the Supreme Court justices should be accosted? Miss Caraballo, what I'm saying is that, Miss Mace, yes or no, did you tweet it? Miss Caraballo, continuing. It is not a characterization of my statements. Ms. Mace, on June 8th of this year, a man was arrested near Justice Brent Kavanaugh's home in Maryland. He told law enforcement officers he wanted to kill the Supreme Court Justice. He was found with a knife, with a pistol, two magazines, ammunition, pepper spray, zip ties, a hammer, crowbar, and duct tape. The threats that members of Congress, the threats that branches of government face on the left and the right, as was mentioned by the chairman earlier in the committee hearing, what appended to the speaker's husband is every member's worst nightmare. So it's clear to me that we have to call out the threats to our democracy emanating from wherever they come, whether it's the right or the left. It is incumbent upon every one of us to call it out on both sides of the political spectrum, and we recommit ourselves to the Constitution 
and the rule of law. I look forward to working with anyone, Republican or Democrat, as you know, Mr. Chairman, to address these threats from within and without. And I look forward to inviting more people who actually know what they're talking about to our witness panel in the 118th Congress. Thank you, and I yield. I may be biased, though I am neither Democrat nor Republican. I am a conservative from South Carolina. But Nancy Mace brought perspective to an otherwise biased and misleading meeting. She unveiled the hypocrisy. Mrs. Mace's warning needs to be heeded by everyone in Congress. Rhetoric does matter. And I am ashamed of the rhetoric of the left for deliberately and maliciously promoting hatred in America. We cannot survive tribalism. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.